Hello everyone, this is John Frangella, and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy, and looking forward to your comments. And we're back. So we've got uh, Joe Mariconda. Um, anybody that's interested in patent process and and uh, wanting to protect your idea, Joe is uh, is uh, invited to our podcast here, and he's a registered patent agent. Uh, as people describe him, he's very reliable and knows his stuff. Um, uh, he also helps with solo inventors uh, protecting their IP. Uh, patent process, uh, intellectual property, and for, um, you know, so their ideas are not, you know, taken away from someone else or, or stolen. And Joe's the man for, <laughs> for this process. Joe, welcome to our podcast. Um, love to uh, do some deeper dive of the story of uh, GEM Patent Services. And love to uh, tell me a bit about your company or organization. Uh, about how did you, how did you get started? What's what's the whole uh, um, um, the whole the whole scoop on it? <laughs> well, thanks for having me, John. Thanks for reaching out. I'm happy to help you and your listeners uh, today with um, the uh, the topic of patents and uh, how patents are potentially used in way as a business tool for supporting the business objectives and business goals of a uh, of a company and sometimes these goals may be understood ahead of time or it's sometimes some people tend to look at patents as a a thing or a tangible asset that they might be able to use at some point in the future to give them business negotiating leverages or whatever happens to come their way in the future. So in a way, it's almost like an insurance policy that that could be used at a later time to give you more freedom to move in a business sense. So we'll, we'll see how that works for you as time goes on during this podcast. Right, right. So, so how long have you been doing uh, uh, helping people with their patents? I've been in the business for 20 years. Um, I, I, I first, when I graduated from university, I worked as an engineer for 17 years, and then I fell into the patent world, and I've uh, been doing that for 20 years. And um, so, the uh, in in Canada, there's no formal. There is formal training. But you need to primarily train under uh, another registered agent as a as an apprentice for a couple of years before you're allowed to uh, take the test and um, get registered as a patent agent. Um, the testing is very rigorous in Canada. It's an annual test. It takes four days to complete, and the pass rate is set up in such a way that they only pass the top. The people that got the top marks, depending on how many agents retire that year. Right. So if only four agents retire, that means only four people who took the exams will pass. Got it. Got it. And if and if nobody passes, then nobody if 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 nobody retires that year or for several years in a row, nobody passes. Right. So it's a very owner's test. I mean, all the all the patent agents in Canada. They're all they're all good people. They all have great skill sets, and uh, you just you know pick someone that you feel comfortable working with, um, and also in in respect of your budget. Right. So right. Now now when you were when you were doing engineering, uh, walk me through it. What what made you say you know what I'm going to go into this field? This this sounds sounds more along the lines of you know where where yeah. Well, yeah, that's a great question. How did I actually discern something like that? It, I had a very um, during the seventeen years of me working as an engineer, I actually had three um, separate people in three different companies during those seventeen years that told me I should consider going into the patent field. 
Wow. So but yeah, it was very, uh, very, very peculiar for me. Uh, the third time that it happened to me, um, uh, you know, I thought, oh, third time, you know, this is very b- yeah. biblical, right? <laughs> you know, you cannot deny this now that it's been told three times. And so I thought, well, I better look into it and I better, you know, see what I can do to hop on to that course of action. Um, I thought that that was very meaningful for me. And uh, within 30 to 40 days, I actually got my first job offer to work as a patent uh, engineer, Mm -hmm. uh, which which is basically a trainee position with uh, IBM Canada. And I accepted the uh, I accepted the job offer, and that's where I launched my career as a patent agent, going from there. So, and then uh, four four years after uh, starting there, I I was uh, you know knock wood, I got lucky enough and blessed enough to pass the exams as a and I became a registered patent agent in Canada and in, and in the United States. Right. Oh, so it's okay. So, so what's the process if somebody wanted to be? Is it, how long is is this apprenticeship? Um, the program yeah in in Canada you have to work underneath a uh, a registered patent agent for a minimum of two years mm-hmm. before you're allowed before you're allowed to write any one of the there's four exams and so before you're allowed to write any one exam uh, in the past you were forced to write all four exams every year right. and now they set it up so that you can you can write one out of the four and um, you know, you don't have to do them all in the same year, basically. But in the past, it was very onerous. You had to do all four. And you have to get a, they have to get a certain mark, but the mark doesn't really matter. They just know how many they're going to pass that year. And so it's basically the the people that got the top marks have the most likelihood of getting through. So now, now you were mentioning about skill sets. There's, there's, you know, there's so many patent agents, but they all—they're all different in their skill sets. Some are more. Can you can you give me a little? You know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So in Canada, basically, a registered patent agent can be a lawyer or not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be. You, it's not required for you to be a lawyer to be a registered patent agent. You're just required to pass the exams. And basically, what that allows a, a registered patent agent then is qualified to prepare a patent application, do the research behind a proposed invention, figure out whether or not the invention is novel and a bona fide invention compared to what's been previously done, and then present that information to the patent office and then to negotiate some sort of settlement with the patent office as to what kind of protection the inventor might expect. Right. So, and then the, so I'm allowed to represent inventors in front of the patent office. What I'm not allowed to do is represent inventors in the courts. That's up to uh, lawyers. And lawyers, there are some lawyers who specialize in patent work, and but they don't, so they represent clients in front of the judge in the courts, but they don't represent inventors in front of the patent office. And so sometimes you do have lawyers that are patent agents and they're lawyers, and usually they do one or the other. They don't do both. They don't litigate in the courts. And they don't. They either choose to litigate in the courts or they they uh, represent inventors in front of the patent office. They do one or the other. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so your the 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 countries that you work with, USA and Canada. So, are are there different uh, legalities between different states, different provinces? Uh, can you break, break that down for us? Yeah. Little? Yeah. So, the patent office in Canada covers uh, uh, inventions made in Can- made anywhere in the world, as long as you apply the patent application into Canada for examination. So, you get a the patent is granted on a country by country basis. So if you want coverage in Canada, you file a patent application in Canada. If you want coverage in the United States, you have to file in the United the application in the United States and any other jurisdictions, China, Japan, Europe. So the process can be very expensive. And uh, for big companies, they have budgets for that. Uh, usually for small inventors, you have to be very mindful about 
where how far you could reach out. Mm-hmm. So majority a majority of my clients are uh, 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 solo inventors, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they have enough money to reach out to the United States and Canada. That means they're protected in those countries, but you know that means that the invention could be practiced outside of those countries right. by other people if they choose to do so. But, you know, at least they have, you know, North America locked up for themselves, and uh, they're happy with that. So, Okay. Can you describe your customers? What, what kind of solo inventor? Are there specific industries that you, that you found that it's much easier? Yeah. Oh, I, I have done all sorts of things. The subject matter has been very, <laughs> like, it, it, it goes from LED lighting right. to, uh, you know, oh, my God. Uh, structures that are used for uh, putting up skyscrapers. Right. Oh yeah, it, it's all over the uh, 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 coveralls, right. industrial coveralls. Uh, I have another one that I did that was for um, uh, a bathrobe. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all sorts of really interesting stuff that I've I've done, and I've got you know, allowances for them. Um, well, like I said before, always start off with a, a, what they call technically a prior art search to try to identify whether a proposed invention is is or is not a bona fide invention. And uh, a lot of my cl- a lot of my clients resist the idea of doing that. And I and I bring back a statistical study prepared by the patent office that shows that 50% of patent applications are, never get allowance or approval. Yeah. Basically, be, basic, basically because the patent office provides evidence that shows that the proposed invention was is already in the public domain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, right. in order to get a winning patent, uh, to get a, you know a good conclusion at the patent office, you have to do the research up front. So, about fifty percent of my analysis and, and search is pretty much fits in line with the patent office. About fifty percent of them are bonafide and the other 50% are just accidental copies of something that's already out there something that and I have to provide the evidence right I I, yeah I had one fellow that um, he had proposed an invention for uh, like a toe cleaner Uh, he was diabetic and uh, he was uh, he couldn't reach over to dry in between his toes and as a diabetic drying between your toes is very important you don't want to you know, because your skin is very delicate, you don't want it to break, and then you have infection. Mm-hmm. And he showed me the device, and then I did a prior art search, and I, you know, after about four hours, I eventually found his proposed invention was actually made in Japan. Okay. So I actually, yeah, so I actually provided him evidence. I said, look at this, this, here's a picture of, of exactly what you've just proposed, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then we, we ended up, you know, closing the file and, you know, moving on, (laughs) avoid uh, going somewhere, you know, with, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, but uh, Joe, so if someone uh, invents this in Japan but he doesn't have a patent in North America, can an inventor say, well, it's, it's only in Japan. He, this person didn't go in North America. Like, is that, yeah, that's a good question. And the answer to that is that the, the, the hard and fast rule at all the patent offices is that you can file for a patent application on an invention or what they call a proposed invention on the basis that the invention has not been done before anywhere. Right. Okay, so it doesn't matter how the invention was done. It could have been described in a mechanics monthly magazine, a trade journal, a technical paper, an engineering publication at a conference, or it could have been in another patent application. If the invention has been described somewhere publicly in print and disseminated, then you cannot file for a patent on that device. Well, right? well, what if it was printed, but you, but you never you've never witnessed that? Oh, I guess it would be in the search process. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Uh. Exactly. So the search. Pro- so basically. The patent office, they'll spend about four to five hours examining a patent application. They spend about two to three hours actually looking through the 
data, available databases uh-huh. to see if they find a matchup between what you're trying to do and what's already existing. And if they find something that's already existing, they'll write you a report that says, no, it looks like you're coming, uh, looks like you've pretty much described everything that's already out there. Or they might say, look, you've described, some of the stuff you've described is already out there. And some of the stuff we believe is, it looks bona fide, brand new, right? So it gives you an opportunity to actually either agree with the patent office or to say, oh, no, you made a mistake. You interpreted this publication incorrectly. Mine, that's not my invention. And you have to come up with reasons. Right, so that's the negotiation phase part of it. Right. So, so in the old days, in the '90s, or you know, in the '80s, the internet, let's say, wasn't around. They had to. There must have been a lot, lot longer process for the patent office to go and search for printed publication. But now the internet, with the proper tools, they're able to scour the internet a lot faster. Is, is that was there a difference be, be, you know between the the old days and the new days? Well, I, you see, I come from, I, when I joined the, mm. the, the patent field, yeah. um, it was a time when the internet was still around, and right. I, I know at the patent office they've improved their tools for how they do their searches. Right. So I know in the, pat, the patent office in the United States, they, they have a private, they assemble a huge private database that brings in technical journals from different engineering mm. uh, publications, from magazines, from other patent offices. It's a huge, huge database. So they use, now they're using artificial intelligence to sort of sift through their huge database. But you're right, back before the days of the internet, they used to do paper searches. Right, right. Right? So they had a huge catalog. And so they would always look at a new invention, and the first thing they would do is they go through a classification process to say, oh, that looks like it should belong in class five, subsection three. What that what they're trying to do with that classification system is try to identify which filing cabinet that <laughs> wow. invention belongs to, wow, right? Wow, wow. Was... So it was a very, very arduous process to go through that and figure it all out. And But these days it's so... Um, it's still difficult, but, you know, there's still a lot of challenges involved, right? Yeah. So so a lot of things I always try to advise my clients that even though the patent office has allowed your patent application after a four or five hour examination, it doesn't mean that the patent, once it's granted, remains uh, enforceable forever. And so what I'm trying to say is that uh, if you go into litigation with a patent, the the defender, the the who you've accused of an infringement, has the right to defend themselves. So, in other words, if if uh, if they find a prior publication that existed before your patent application was filed, and it, and that prior publication that they find describes the invention, that could invalidate some or all of the granted patent. Right. Right. Because because the the premise there would be that the defendant would say, "Oh, look, I I found some relevant prior art that the patent office failed to find." Or the patent agent who wrote the application, he failed to find it, but I found it and here it is. And that publication could be written in any language. Okay. It it's not limited to English. Right. So if they find a publication in the uh, Swedish uh, university in uh, some some university in Sweden, and it's written in uh, Swedish, if they translate it and it describes the invention that's described in a granted patent, that granted patent could be and probably would be validated. Right. Right. Okay. So at the so what I tell my clients is what you need to do is to avoid litigation and try to figure out a way to try to find a creative way to settle uh, your business negotiation with your opponent. Right. Okay? Because I get a lot of clients, I ask them, I says, what are you going to do with the granted patent? Granted pat? He says, well, I'm going to sue everybody. And I go, no, you're not. <laughs> that You're not going to do that because that costs a tremendous amount of money. What you're going to do is try to figure out a creative way to collaborate Either you merge your businesses together or you figure out something 
mm-hmm. that, okay? Right, right. You try to settle it right. as quickly as possible and, and in some way that, you know, you both gain some advantage, right? Because if you both go into litigation, it's just a terrible, uh, it's, it's not creative and, uh, you, you know, it could be very unproductive and financially very costly. Yeah, a bad ending, as they say. Um, well, not a, not a, not. It, it may be a good ending. It right. may be a good ending. I mean, uh, there, there was one company, I for I, the I for I litigation. Uh, if you can look it up on Google, okay. it was I for I versus uh, Microsoft. Right. And I, on uh, Microsoft. Uh, Asked I asked a company in Toronto, I for I, to develop some software that Microsoft ended up using in their Microsoft Word software. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, I for I asked for a settlement, and um, Microsoft, you know, sort of blew them off and said, "No way, Jose!" And so what ended up happening was um, a venture capitalist uh, funded the litigation in, the, in that instance. On the basis that the um, that the uh, the evidence was very clear that Microsoft was on the wrong end of the stick, so they went through litigation. It took about five years to settle out, and I think the settlement was a two hundred million dollars settlement in favor of I for I. Wow! Wow! So sometimes, yeah, sometimes it, it's a good thing. But the, there, I'm 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 just trying to point out here that mm-hmm. I for I didn't have the money for the litigation. Right. So they they collected the evidence. They they provided the evidence to a venture capitalist who ended up funding it. So what ends ends up happening in that instance? Maybe the venture capitalist ends up taking fifty percent of the of the settlement mm-hmm. because they took the risk of funding the the litigation. Right, right. Yeah, I, I guess it goes back to it. It all depends on the situation. You gotta you gotta look at it from a from a from a not a macro, but from more of a higher level to to yeah. Well, you have yeah, you have to look at well, what's the damage being caused by by the infringer taking your invention, right? Wow. So in this instance, it was like every single Microsoft Word software product that they sold has that. So, you know, how many millions of that uh, units of that software was was sold, and so it's like well, there's a huge uh, economic damage that was done to I for I, right? So. It, it was a big payoff for them. Uh, you know, in, in I'm sure in your in your in your uh, in your experience, were there patents that were 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 um, registered, but never that person, the inventor, never really did anything with that. What happens with that in, that patent? Does it have an expiry date? So so let's say uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, patents only last for 20 years from the date of filing of the application. So if it was filed today in 2019, you're looking at uh, up until 2039. Mm-hmm. And then the patent will expire, provided you've paid the maintenance fees oh, so along e- the way. So yeah. e- every year there's maintenance fees on the, on the patent? Yeah, in the United States, they're, they're due every three years after uh, the allowance of the patent. Mm-hmm. And in Canada, they're due annually, mm-hmm. but you can pay for uh, several years in advance, so you don't have to get harassed every year for having to pay the fee. So, if you in Canada, they give you the option of paying for five years in advance. What's the cost? Time. W- w- what's the cost annually? Just just so our listeners know, you know what's what... well. In, yeah, it's 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 a relatively small amount in Canada. It's fifty bucks. Okay. For every for every year, for the first five years and then the next five years it's a hundred bucks a year right and then in the last five years it's like 200 bucks a year oh so it increases okay yeah the idea behind that is they think that if you're making money on this (laughs) and you know they're either they want you to they're trying to motivate you to abandon the application if you're not making money at it then They want you. To, they're trying to motivate you to abandon the application. Or if you're making money at it, then the government is saying, "Well, we want to make more money at it." So right, right. I mean, it's not really a, a lot of money, but it's enough to make a decision for to help people make a decision, right? To right. It, it, to, so 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 you have all these patents, and and people are paying, and then after after twenty years, they get abandoned. That same person does 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 that same inventor 
able to re redo the pan like does that no. yeah no it expires and nobody can use that invention nobody it's no 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 nobody uh, let me correct that yeah. nobody can file an application for exactly what was expired in a in an old patent so 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 the inventor doesn't have like rights exclusive rights to re redo that another for another 20 more years no. Oh no. wow! I didn't even know that. No, it's not like a, it's not like a copyright, right? Right. But like a copy, you got a copyright on a book, or a picture, or a, you know any kind of expression. You mm -hmm. get a copyright on it. Mm -hmm. It lasts for the lifetime of the author plus seventy-five years. Wow! Wow! I didn't even know that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and then what happens is sometimes the author can uh, renew the copyright. Wow. Okay, so copyrights can be renewed. Right. So if you go to like uh, the Internet Archive, mm -hmm. you can actually get copies, free copies of books that have been scanned and uh, uploaded to the Internet Archive that are older than 75 years from the date of the uh, the author's date, uh, death. Right. Okay. So they're freely available. Okay. Yeah. So we've got uh, this invention, and I I'm an I'm an inventor, and I for 20 years, and, and my invention uh, is involved in five different components, so A, B, C, D, and E. And these five components work together to become that in, that invention patent. So now it expires. Um, what happens with those five pieces? Do, do those five components, which I, let's say I design myself, and they're, and they're split in five, can I, now I can't do it as a whole, but can I, redo them individually or to, to revive those components or yeah. yeah yeah you could you could reinvent in other words mm -hmm. uh, the whole premise of the patent system is is to solve a technical problem that's currently existing right right so any kind of, any kind of system that you come up with there's always going to be some sort of drawbacks or potential problems that have yet to be resolved I mean so there's no machine that's perfect Right. They do resolve problems, right. but along the way, they morph and they, they, they redevelop the machine in a way to get things to, to work better in some way or achieve a new result, okay? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, theoretically, you know, uh, a, a machine will eventually get, evol will, will evolve right. to improve itself, so you get patents on the improvements that you've made along the way. Got it. Right? right, right, So a machine like a car, for example, you—it's—they don't make cars the way they used to 30 years ago, right. right? If you look at the components, they've evolved over time. So the man, the car manufacturers will will capture, will try to capture patents on each of the improvements that they've made. Right. Okay. Now, now, okay. So I, I another question is, I, I invented this small micro pump. Let's say it doesn't exist, and I know it does exist. But what if I develop this micro pump that 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 is so tiny that can fit in many many components? So I patented this. I patented this. This uh, I patented. I registered this patent for this micro pump, and it could be used used in many many applications. So when I'm when I'm registering. Um, the categories are they every time I add a category, let's say coffee machine, like an espresso machine, a micro pump is used to pump water and then pump into a, you know, into a into a capsule or something like uh, of that sort. When I'm patenting, do I have to? There's an extra cost to add it in, in multiple areas like automotive, or you know, or do I have to break it down even more in automotive? Like there's 30 different automotive, you have to be very specific. And if I forget one, you know, can, well, you can yeah. you you can certainly suggest in a patent application the potential applications, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not required, but you could you could do that, okay? Mm -hmm. But you you could just get the patent on this so-called micro pump. Yeah, you, you're not really obligated to describe where it's used. Right, because if you describe, if you say the micro pump is is used in a coffee machine, right? Right. You're better off to write the application to say that a potential application of the micro pump might be or may be used in a coffee machine. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah. so so so, so that's 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 really the the better way to kind of frame. But but to get a patent on the micro pump, 
you'd have to do the research to say, well, what's actually new about this micropump right. versus something that was, you know, how how is this of how is this the next step in evolution of micropumps? Mm-hmm. There has to be something that was previous, right? Right, right. Interesting. So you're trying to you think about it as this way: you go into a shopping mall and you see there's a bunch of parked cars, uh, but there's a bunch of open spaces, right? So you come in with your car and you say, well, where am I going to park my car? Well, where am I going to park my invention, right? right. Well, first of all, if, if you have an open parking, let's look for the open potential parking spots where you can park, right? Right. And, and that parking lot could be completely full. You could say, look, you, you can't fit this in anywhere, right? right. So that's the, right. that's the whole basis of doing a prior art search is to say, where can I fit, can I find an open space for me to put in an application for that open, potentially open space. An- another example I like to use with my clients is, you know, supposing you came to me as an inventor and you said, well, I want to get a patent on this car that I developed in my garage for the past three years. And I go, well, what's actually new about what you've done? What, you know, so we have to do what they call a scrub down or a prior art search. You scrub down the, 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 the proposed invention, and you you come back, you know, after three or four days, you go, well, it looks like maybe the only thing new here is the muffler. It's not really the car. It's just the muffler. That's the only thing that's really new here. Right. Or you could come back and say it's the muffler and it's the engine. The engine performs 20% better than existing engines, and this is the reason why there's this is the specific structure of that engine and the muffler works better than anything that's been done before right so potentially you don't have one invention you actually have two inventions right you have a you have a, a, an en, a, an invention to the engine or a car and the or an engine on a, 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 a motor vehicle engine or a, a muffler right mm-hmm. or both right so you file a when you file a patent application, the strategy now would be to file two patent applications, one for the car, uh, one, one for the engine, and one for the muffler. Okay? Right. So right. you have two inventions, not one. And you don't waste your time describing the windshield. You don't waste your, your time describing the tires and, and the paint job and the metal and, and the bumpers and the, the radio. Because the patent office doesn't want you to talk about things that already exist. They want you to talk about specifically what's new, right? Right, right. Yeah. So parking lots, that, that was an interesting concept, and I, I'm always about uh, concepts. <laughs> so that's part of my DNA. The, so we got two malls, okay? You got a mall in Yorkdale Mall, which has barely no parking spots, and you got a mall up in, you know, middle of nowhere, uh, North Bay, let's say. So, in, is there an industry that if I'm driving, if I'm an engineer and I want to solve a, 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 you know, I don't want to go to Yorkdale. I'll never find a park, a, a spot where I can improve things because it's just there's, just is there certain sectors or industries that you that you that in the last five years you found that hey, there's a lot of improvements. Uh, if somebody wants to put their problem solving skills hat on and need my help, like w- what are certain areas or sectors? that you find that there's a lot of parking spots, you guys are looking at the wrong places, you know, a certain, let's say it's environmental, is it energy, is it, you know, social, is it, you know, anything you can share or is that, is that confidential? <laughs> I'm sorry, can you repeat the question again? What I, I didn't quite okay. so, understand. So uh, parking lot, we were discussing about the parking lot saying you, you're, you're trying to solve a problem, but, but there's no room to, to even improve because everything is saturated. Everything is just, have already, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. There's always, yeah, no, no. I think I understand your question now. There's always something there. I mean, I've had uh, 20% of my searches, mm. 50% of my searches say, you know, there's nothing new here. And then what I look at my clients, it says, try to figure out how to improve what you think you thought was the invention, look at what was done before, and if you can improve on it and solve a problem that's not been solved before, then you've got something. And about 20% of those people actually come back to me six months later or a year later with a bona fide improvement. I see. Like they've actually, they've actually thought about it, you know, and they go, oh, okay, this is, this is how you could configure 
a proposed invention that actually does solve the problem and would be desire might be very desirable to other people that they may be motivated to actually want this. Right, right. Is there a certain is there a certain couple of industries that you find that there's just a lot more chance of improvement? There's just a lot of much more improvements. Uh, progress than other industries like let's say automotive give an example i'm not saying that's not a good example but yeah well no i think i think there's uh, any anything that can be potential it really depends on your creativity right right, right. i get it okay yeah uh would there yeah. i mean like uh i mean think about it first you know like coverall industrial coveralls mm -hmm. who would have who would have thought that there's a possible important economic advantage to the way this my client had restructured his coveralls right you right. know he's selling them he's selling them and uh apparently um he's having really good uh sales with them that oh. it motivates their customers to buy from him because the, of of the features that his his particular coveralls solve uh, it's quite astounding to me, right? Well, yeah, I always, so, I, I always believe that. I always believe that, you know, if you're in an industry and and let's say it's plumbing or or construction or you know different industries, and you're in there for twenty years, you kind of know the problems that that because you've been doing it, you know a long time that you know that you know they don't have this product. I could always improve, uh, improve on this. No, it, it's unpredictable. It really, really? is. You really? cannot. You can. Yeah, it's very unpredictable. I'll tell you why. I mean, I had a, a couple of guys come in here, mm -hmm. uh, fencing contractors, mm -hmm. and they wanted to get a patent on this new type of wood fence that they they say they invented, right? And I said, well, first of all, you got to treat it as a proposed invention. And they go, well, we've been in the business for 20 years and we've never seen this anywhere. And I go, well, I, I, I respect what you're saying. You, ha you haven't seen it, but we're still going to do the search. We're, I'm still going to do that search for you. It's a very reasonable price. It's not, you know, right, right. Let's, let's do a sanity check here. Right. So I came back five days later with specific evidence that actually showed them that that concept's already been done, <clears throat> right? Right, right. And so these guys were like really astounded, like, <laughs> wow, you're kidding. Like that's, uh, you know, like, uh, and they just shook their heads and go, yeah, well, if I look at what you've done, I said, there, there really isn't anything that you're doing that's a, a significant improvement. So I, t I told them, I says, nobody's stopping you from actually doing what you're doing Right, you can still proceed forward with making this this type of wooden fence, mm -hmm. and nobody's going to stop you because you know all these these three patents that I found in specific that were very relevant. They're older than twenty years, so now they're in the public domain. I see. But you can't you cannot stop other fencing contractors from doing the same thing. Okay. Okay. Right. So in the course of building these fences, if you guys come up with a new technique, a new some sort of new development, you know, I'll be happy to review that with you right. with the potential of getting a patent on it. Right. But anything that you see here, it's uh, anything that's written in these documents. There, These documents are older than 20 years. You can knock yourself out. And you can make as many fences as you want, according to what you see in these documents. Nobody has the right, nobody would have the right to actually try to stop you. But you can't stop your competitors either. Right, right. So, so, so someone has an idea, says that, you know, it goes, yeah, we can, we can outsell this other person that's selling this, but the patents, the patent has been expired. They would call you, you would still go through the process and they said, yeah, you can go ahead. And then they go ahead and, and, and do the same thing and, you know. Yeah. So long as you're copying, if you're if if, if you're not looking to innovate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're not looking to innovate with the newest thing, right? If you copy something that's older than twenty years of age, mm -hmm. nobody can stop you. Nobody. Okay. Right. Nobody can stop. Nobody's got a right to stop you because it's something that's older than twenty years of age. Now I don't know if in the and you might be able to compete in the marketplace. You know, you might be able to compete on price and delivery and service, 
right? Right. Like one of the one of the things I always tell my clients is says, you know what? I know for a fact that you know patents are a it's a business tool to give you a strategy, a leg up in your negotiations with your competitors. But you also look have to look at it holistically. You know, patents are just one part of the puzzle. The other part of the puzzle are the other other important pieces like service. How do you service your clients? Right. You know, sometimes you get clients who are willing to pay more money provided and they're willing to pay more because of the level of service they require. So if you're able to solve that problem, um, even though you might your product may not be the latest and greatest widget with the current technology, it's a, it, you're, you're giving your clients something else that they need, right? They may not need that innovation. They may need the level of service, right? Right, right. And sometimes the level of service is itself is an innovation, mm-hmm. right? If you're able to, let's say, guarantee uh, a serviceman show up at, your, at, a, at the customer's site within 24 hours anywhere in the world, I mean, you just think about that. If you're able to guarantee such a thing for a particular type of industry, there would be customers that would be willing to pay for that. Oh, I, absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely. I, I right? can see that, yeah. There, like, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, have you ever heard of a Heidelberg Press? No. <laughs> in, in Germany, there's a town called Heidelberg, and there's a company called Heidelberg Press in Heidelberg, Germany, and they make printing presses. They've been doing it for a long time. Their printing presses are extremely expensive. Apparently, they're like three times or four times more expensive than their closest competitors. But what they do is they have a service group that they guarantee that they will have a serviceman at your door within 24 hours or less if your machine breaks down. And if you think about it, on the printing business, when a machine is not working, you're losing money. Right. right. Right? So if you buy a printing press and it's down for like a month, you just lost yourself a, you know, a, you know, every minute that that machine is not working is money just down the drain. Right. 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 Yeah, so that's yeah. why Heidel, that's why Heidelberg is very, very, you know, they also have patents. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're trying to make their machines evolve and become better and better and better every year. But that's just one part of their strategy. The other part of their strategy is to say we're going to provide this level of service, and they commit to it. Right, right. Were there any success stories, projects, uh, or people that you are proud of that you can share? Because <laughs> I know you're in the patent world; it's all top secret, secret stuff, right? So. Well, I mean, I, I, I go back to my uh, coverall, coverall? Uh, okay. this, this coverall manufacturer. I mean, like, I'm, I'm astounded as, at, I mean, they have sales levels in the, in the millions of dollars for the coveralls. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just astounded. And just by making this one innovation in their, in their product, it, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, they have customers that just place their orders for coveralls through them. Right, right. Just for the tech, just for the technical advantage that their coveralls provide. To right. me, it's astounding. <laughs> you you never you would never think, right? You're always looking at certain industries like uh, consumer electronics, and everybody's trying to go after that. Meanwhile, there could be a product that does, uh, you know, slates or coveralls or something that you don't think that could actually be more impactful to your business or. Or a product that is much more needed than consumer electronics. Let's say I'm just. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's really. It's. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, high tech. I mean, yeah. It could be. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, it's. It, they just come out from from all sorts of. Uh, right. I mean, there's a lot of good ideas. A lot of people have good ideas, and uh, I mean, uh, there's one inventor I had uh, who who made a child walker. Mm-hmm to help uh, babies and toddlers like learn how to walk, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or support them when they're learning how to walk. And, uh, you know, I, I urged the, the guy, I said, God, don't make any prototype just yet. Why don't you just go to the, uh, the toy show uh, in, in, 
in New York City in February and just go around to the different manufacturers of uh, of strollers and that kind of stuff and see if anybody of them would be interested in taking on your 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 patent. Uh-huh. You know, you don't have to go with a working model. You can just go in with a, a sketch or you know have some, pay somebody to do a three minute video or something like that or just you know. And um, he he didn't listen to my advice. He ended up spending like fifty thousand dollars to do a prototype. Right. And I just shook my head. I'm, I'm going, <laughs> wow. Why didn't Why didn't you just go to the trade show? Like, well, I thought they, you know, I thought they wanted to see a prototype. And I go, well, I don't know. Right. Right. Sure. You know, I don't know what to say. But <laughs> so yeah, there's there's all sorts of people trying different things. You know, it's it's really something else. I got one guy. Who's who's got a system on uh, preventing uh, you know these coffee cup holders? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in cars they're trying to. What's the problem with coffee coffee cups in cars? Oh what, my God, you're you right. Co- <laughs> you're right. My my car has I don't know who's designed these coffee cup coffee cup holders, but I don't, I can never fit my co- coffee cup inside a these holder. I, I I don't know. There's got to be a better way, right? So thank God there's someone yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody. There's somebody's already thinking about you know the problems that have to do with coffee cups and in, in you know when you Vehicles. buy your Starbucks or Tim Hortons coffee and you go into your car. I mean, everybody has problems with those things, right? You know, right. And so you know, this one one of my clients is trying to solve. He, I mean, he has solved a particular problem, and now he's trying to commercialize it, right? So he's trying right now. He's trying to go through crowdfunding, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Where, where I, you know how crowdfunding works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, it, it's, it's. Whoever thought of that idea really helped the the entrepreneur. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of innovation around helping entrepreneurs create businesses. At the end, we all benefit, right? We all benefit in job creation and in in economic value. So one piece, I, I part of my thing was, you know, part of my discussion was entrepreneurship. I mean, helping entrepreneurs succeed. Is is a very a very powerful uh, force that we're not giving the entrepreneurs the tools they need. It is now with crowdfunding and and you know getting the right people to help you versus going through four or five other uh, consultants and find that it was a wrong match and you end up you know getting the wrong people. And you're just wasting time and getting frustrated and sometimes just burning through cash. And not coming up with 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 your 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 product, which is you know at the end you need more people to develop, manufacture, distribute, and that's the impact that entrepreneurship is is the government itself is lacking in understanding that you know once you start a business and I I've started a business I've, I've you know I've got many many employees and that started from something and now we're, and government should be really helping this whole the whole system, but also other other services other other companies like yours help. Help the entrepreneurs develop an idea. Now, out of those hundred entrepreneurs, uh, what ratio would you say that or say, listen, I'm not going to go develop a, a manufacturing facility. I don't have the know-how. I'm just a good inventor, and and that's good enough. And then you license it to somebody else. What's the ratio out of a hundred inventors? Do you say that is um, saying, listen, I'm not going to become the next, uh, you, you know, big manufacturing tool, tool tooling company. I'm just going to. I have the idea. I was a I was a tool maker, but I have the idea. I want to patent it, but I want to license to somebody else, and they just give me residuals. Is that what? What's the ratio of that happening, or is it just based on, on, on? Yeah. You know what? It, 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 yeah, the commercialization of an invention mm-hmm. uh, can be a very touchy subject. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. There are companies out there that say that they'll commercialize your invention for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Let's take a step back. If you hire a real estate agent to sell your house, they only make a commission if the house sells. If the house doesn't sell, they make nothing. So the sales, the real estate agent is very motivated to get something done for you. Right? Right. Yeah. Now, in the business of selling a patent application or finding somebody interested in licensing or either renting or buying your invention. It doesn't work like that. They want to get paid in advance. 
the, the, the agent, right. the licensing agent, right? right? So you might end up having to pay them $10,000, dollars $30,000, and there's no guarantee that in the end they'll strike a deal for you. Right. And so there are patent licensing firms out there, and I know inventors that have done have paid ten, twenty, thirty thousand bucks and got nothing. Right. Okay. Right. So I always advise my clients: you have to be prepared to do this yourself. Right. The grinding. <laughs> the grinding and the license, hustle. <laughs> license this yourself. Right. Don't rely on somebody else to do it for you. Right. Right. Because God knows what they're actually doing for their money. Right. Yeah, right. my these other people they got monthly reports of what, but in the end they don't really know what happened. Right. Right. Okay. So you you have to then say, okay, who am I gonna? Who's the who's the potential user? Or who's the company? What is the company that potentially would be interested in buying the patent application from me? And then you say, who's who's interested in this? And work your way backwards to say, well, how are you going to get like some company that is, you know, makes uh, uh, you know cups to go inside of uh, uh, systems for holding cups in cars? You know, how am I going to get them interested in me? talking to me. So you have to go to trade shows. So if you've developed a toy, you naturally then have to go to a, a, a trade show for toys, not retail, wholesale, where the manufacturers go right. to, to show their toys to distributors. Right. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so then, you know, like Mastermind, for example, you know, the, the, the toy retailer, they probably have buyers that go to different trade shows. Right. Find out where they go to so that you can then go from booth to booth, manufacturer to manufacturer to introduce your concept and see what kind and sell it. You have to then sell it. You have to sell that that concept and somehow either they, they license it from you or they just buy the application from you. Right? Because right. they, they they like what they see. Now in big companies, they they have marketing departments, and in each of these marketing departments, they have people called product managers. Now, product managers, they're responsible for identifying new products or services that their company can provide because they're responsible for increasing the income capacity of their, of their company. Right. So they're always looking for new ways of adding new products to their existing products, okay, and evolving them or, or whatever. So if you have, a, let's say, a new hammer, right, try to figure out, well, who makes hammers? Right, right. You know, because chances are that product, there's a product manager in their marketing department that is probably going to be very interested in hearing about your hammer. And why is your hammer you know, somehow an improvement over existing hammers. And if they believe your story, if they like what they see, and they go, yeah, this is pretty cool. We like what we see. We'll, we want to license that from you. We'll pay you X amount per year, whatever. But that all comes down to do you doing it. You have to do it yourself. You have to have the, the confidence. The willpower, right? the confidence, and... And the grind and the hustle. I mean, an inventor is an inventor, but now he's got to take off his hat and put his salesman hat on, and he's got to sell himself and his idea. Uh, you, you you have to get out there. Yeah. And if you're not prepared to if you're not prepared to do that, you ought not to get a patent application. Right. I, in my humble opinion, right. because right. It, this people don't come knocking on your door. You have to go out there, right? Right. Right. And you have to do. You have to be prepared to do it yourself. You really, really have to. Um, and, and sometimes it could be very easy and sometimes it could be, you know, it's a venture, it's a business venture and, and, you know, and so how creative you can get with, you know, how do you, how do you sell this? I think, I think creativity, it all comes down to creativity in my mind. How creative are, can you get about getting this invention sold? And they they should have good communication skills too, by 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 not talking so much, but you know, kind of sitting down and saying, "Let me narrow this, you know, two hour 
uh, explanation of what my product or service does into a very easy to digestible, and that takes time. So a good way of communicating. So when you do meet the buyers or the the owners of these of these distribution company or manufacturing companies or whatever, they they have to have better communication skills explaining it. Otherwise, they might even lose that that opportunity with a very important right. Well, it's it's all on presentation skills. I, I'll give you another example that I like to to, to give is 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 about um, people uh, when 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 you go to the uh, Toronto exhibition mm-hmm. or sometimes when Sears Canada sometimes from time to time would have product demonstrators. You know these guys that show a new type of cleaning cloth. Yes. Yes. Right. They, they, they're there with a, a, head, a microphone headphone and they're, they're talking to the crowd and it's, it's like an infomercial. It's a live infomercial. Yeah, I've seen them. Right? They're amazing. Yeah, they're a lot of they fun. Have, <laughs> they ha- yeah, they're fun because they, they have to figure out a way to motivate people so that at the end of five or ten minutes, they're digging into their pockets with, and giving, handing over money. Right, right, right. So that's you have to be like that. You, if there's a school to learn that skill, I would definitely um, either that or, or look at the infomercials and try to copy what an infomercial does. How you know, the psychology of that and practice doing that yourself. Right, right. Next question was all about productivity. I mean, we all juggle tons of business activities and tasks, and then there's our, our personal life. What, what tools? I, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, um, uh, product, product productivity guy that always trying to always trying to find ways to shave off minutes in a day. What What are some of the tools? If there is any high tech tools or traditional low tech tools that you use to to keep on track with your daily business and life, personal life, so you're not, you know, g- getting home at midnight. That you, you have a, you know, a decent amount of hours that you can actually have some time to yourself to, to do your hobbies. What What are some of the tools that you that you can share with uh, with our audience? Well, I mean, I, 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 there is one software tool that I do use. It's called Todoist. Mm-hmm. T O. D O I S T, to do it. Oh, to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like it because it, uh, it. I can set up reminders for myself to to follow up with people at certain dates and certain times, and I find that that keeps my schedule, uh, keeps me, you know, focused on what I need to do today. Even though, and it can capture ideas that I have to investigate at some at some future time right and, and and I find it extremely valuable I would encourage anyone to you know start a free account and uh, just take it from there learn to use it every day and the more the more I've used it the more I I can't live without it it's uh, it's like having a a, 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 a a paper calendar but it's better because I don't know it's just it, it just, because uh, I can change dates on the fly, I can look up things and go, oh, I was supposed to talk to John today, and then I can look up in the database, oh yeah, right, here it is. It, it, it's phenomenal, so I, I would definitely do that. Yeah, I, I used to enter it on my calendar, because I would you know, put it in my time. The problem is then I would get whisked away in a meeting, come back, and then totally forget about, about that actual task, because it, it now is is yesterday's, <laughs> and I said that didn't work. So I yeah I went to for a different matter, uh, a, a different method. Um, when w- what do you wish you had known when you started out? What are things that you wish you had that could have helped you with you know improving to where you are right now? Like w- w- you know, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I would have been using a productivity like to do is a lot earlier, earlier in my life <laughs> okay oh yeah yeah <laughs> right right what are you curious about right now joe anything that's that you're curious to say this is something that i always want to learn about that maybe doesn't have to be uh, specific to your to your industry something just that says it's something that's not part of what i'm doing but i find very interesting anything that you can share 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's always good to have a hobby. I mean, I I I I I play a musical instrument. That's not something that I learned as a teenager, but I just learned as an adult along the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you have to have a, another something that keeps you uh, your mind off of work you can't focus on work 24 hours a day it's not really a healthy thing right right but you know you have to and i think it's like um you know you have to it's it's music it takes you to a different place right right so it you have to uh, you know just get away from your day-to-day rational work and just to you know focus your mind on things unstructured time if you will right what what what, what 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 instruments uh clarinet and sax oh nice nice yeah yeah so i mean that i had to learn it on my own and uh you know you can you can get a teacher to help out and uh you know you could you can certainly do that but it's it's a long-term project right it's mm-hmm. just something that you yeah and it could be anything right whether it's just riding a bike or you have to pick something that you sort of like to do and just do something that takes you away from, from work for a while. Yeah, I, 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 I've, been, I've been having a little bit of struggle I, I, the last, you know, 11 years, work, 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 work. And I didn't, I didn't find that I wasn't having a hobby. And I'm thinking, I've got to get something to, to you know, break the, the yin and yang, as they say, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm close to picking one that I'm going to devote my life to. <laughs> I'm still not there yet because I'm wondering is this is this because I'm forced to do this or is this really who I am that I need to you know have a creative outlet because running you know running a business is sometimes very monotonous very administrative and it's there's not much creativity except doing certain things on certain deadlines right so um, I need to really break away from that and uh, put some color back in my life as they say <laughs> yeah I think I think so you have to be kind of holistic I think yeah. you, I think that's the right way of looking at it you, you know you can't uh, I mean you, 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 what can I say you you have to you have to give your mind a break from certain things for a while and just reset you know even if you just take up something like meditation right just to give yourself a break. Sometimes it's important to do that. Right. Do you have any? So, so that was interesting. A, a meditation. I, I, I've been slowly, you know, reading about it and understanding from different, different uh, meditation experts, and uh, there's different methods, and I'm trying to find the right one. That, that so I have incorporated that in my life, and I'm just not, uh, uh, I'm not as disciplined to do in the morning and at night, like what they say that you're supposed to be doing, and. Um, um, I have, I'm not, the, yeah. You, you yeah. know what, it, the, the meditation is very interesting because that's something I've been taking up myself. And there are a lot of uh, schools of thought on, on meditation. And I think you have to find the right mentor or the right yeah. uh, teaching right. that keeps you, because I've tried many, many methods. And meditation is, is, can be a very difficult um, proposition right to stay to stay regular with right and so you have to i've always said this you have to have a really good reason for doing something otherwise um this ain't going to happen right 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 you know what i mean so it's uh it's very interesting um and uh but i don't want to delve into it because there's just uh, it's a it's a big topic i mean i'm happy to go offline with you on this john if you really (laughs) want to what, go, what, go deeper on it, but I mean, there's really a, it's a it's a very big, deep topic, and it's something that I've I've been on now for like 25 years. Right. So I've been exposed to a lot of like uh, uh, way the ways that certain uh, uh, people approach it, and uh, so finding the right approach that gives you the correct reasons for doing it it's 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 a challenge. It's a challenge. It really, it can be. So it sounds like it's a peaceful thing to do, but it's not so easy to do. Right. It's, uh, right. it, it's, a, it's a challenge. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, sleep is the other thing. And, you know, I'm always, I always ask that question about there, there's meditation, there's work, productivity, but there's also sleep. Do you have a certain uh, style of, of, of how, do you, how do you maximize your sleep so you're fully productive the next day? 
I've heard so many different ways of, of some people wake up at two in the morning and then they work from two to five, then they go back to sleep till like 11 and then, <laughs> and then they work and they have a nap in the afternoon. There's so many different, it's just very, I find it very fascinating what people do with sleep and, um, you know, max the, the, the science of sleep so they can get their full day, uh, you know, full, full force, uh, maximum attention, right? Do you have any, any tips there that you can share with us? Um, you don't have to, it's just something. No, it's, uh, it's, it's not something I really, um, th- thought about. <laughs> just, no, you know what? I think it's, I think it's important to, uh, give your mind a. I mean, you can only you can't be too productive all the time. I right. mean, you need to just have a certain amount of downtime. Right, right. You know, otherwise, um, I don't know. You need to, you need to have a certain amount of downtime, and uh, you can't. I mean, when I first went into private practice as a patent agent, uh, I I I was working way too much. Right. And um, you. I think it's unhealthy. I mean, it's 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 good to work like that for a while, but you have to give yourself a break. You know, you have to set boundaries. Uh, you know, you work from eight until five, and that's it. You know, right, right. Because right. I have I have heard of people that work, you know, a huge amount of time, and um, yeah, I think it's okay for the short term, but not for the long term. You, it's. It's a very difficult proposition. So, perfect. Actually, we'll do another episode on the meditation if you don't mind. <laughs> Love to get into oh, that. Oh no, I have to. I have to. I have to. <laughs> okay. If you want to, if you want to take it offline, John, sure. uh, give me a call and we'll sure. meet up. And uh, you know, I, I I don't propose. I don't say that I'm an expert at it, but I've found certain systems that you know, put me in a proper frame of mind. Right, right. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what kind of religious background you are in or whether you're not religious, you just have to find the right approach, right? Right. That you're comfortable with doing and it makes sense and and then it becomes more, I don't know, I think more uh, meaningful, if you will, right? Right, So. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate your time, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll uh, we'll do another podcast on the meditation another uh, uh, sometime in the future. I, again, I appreciate your time, and this was 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 fun, super fun doing, and uh, I, I appreciate all the information you shared with our listeners. You're very welcome, John. Take care and good luck. Thank you.